No one wants to be in pain. It can literally impact your whole, whole life from start to finish. It can affect the quality of life. It can affect your relationships. It can affect your relationship with yourself. And what do we do when we're in pain? We usually pop a pill right? And then we think it's going to go away. But little do we know that this pill may be doing actually more damage to us than helping us out. But we are not made aware that we may have the answer with the pain in regards to what we do every single day. And that is eating. That is our diet. That's exactly right. That's what I want to be talking about in today's episode. It's going to be an amazing episode. I'm going to go through what is pain, what are the key triggers for pain, and then I'm going to talk about three foods to assist you with your pain management. Let's get straight into it. It's Mondays with Mahela. That's right, me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I absolutely love, love, love and appreciate your support. For any of you who don't know me, my name is Mahela. I'm a qualified naturopath and absolutely passionate about all things health, business and overall success. And today is Mondays. Mondays with Mahela, part of the Natural Health Podcast segment that I release on Mondays. And today is all about providing you with health hacks to optimize your health. And today's topic is going to be an interesting one because I'm going to be talking about pain. I mean, when was the last time that you experienced pain? Was it this morning when you woke up? Was it after lunch you went for a walk? Was it at night time when you were just sitting on a couch, you realized a little bit of lower back pain or a little bit of shoulder pain? Any type of pain? Or are you an individual who lives with pain every single day? Pain is so, so... Uh, It's a huge topic. It can go from something as tiny to something huge where it impacts your whole life. It can go to impacting you only for a few hours to impacting you for your whole life. It is a huge topic and it can be all different types of pain. But that's what I'm going to be talking about today. So you are more educated on what pain actually is and then how you can adjust your diet to feed your body to hopefully be pain because that is the end outcome, right? I mean, when we when we have pain, I know we've been told from our parents, we've been told from our friends, our family, our doctors, it's okay, you know, just take a pain pill, pa- uh, painkiller. Just take a painkiller, you'll be okay, it'll go away. But why is our body giving us this pain signal? Is it trying to warn us about something? Is it trying to tell us something? Or is it, why is it there? So it's, Imagine this, right? You're having pain in your right shoulder, let's say, right here in your right shoulder. Who doesn't get right shoulder pain, right? And you may be like, oh, that's really painful. I don't know what it is. And you pop a Panadol, right? It may go away, may not go away. And then you're like, oh, it keeps coming back. And then you go see your healthcare professional. And then you actually realize that that right shoulder pain has to do with your gallbladder and that you're only getting the right shoulder pain every time you're eating fatty foods. And because you're unable to digest your fatty foods, you're getting the referral pain on the right shoulder from your gallbladder. Now, if you just kept popping that pill, that painkiller, 
you will never actually investigate and actually realize why you were getting that pain and what that pain was trying to tell you. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's actually look into what is pain and how can and what what the definition of pain is, right? I looked into a definition of pain that I found is pain is an unpleasant feeling that is conveyed to the brain by sensory neurons, the discomfort signal, actual or potential injury to the body. However, pain is more than a sensation or the physical awareness of pain. It is also included perception, the subjective interpretation of the discomfort. This is interesting and key. Perception gives the information on the pain location, intensity, and something about its nature. The various conscious and unconscious response to both sensation and perception, including the emotional response, adds further definition to the overall conception of pain. What does all that mean? Essentially, that is the definition of pain. So it's kind of saying it's signals sent there. It can be perceived. It could be actual pain. That's an interesting concept right there. Pain can be perceived, but it can also be actual pain. I'm not saying that you're making up your pain. You're not making up your pain, but it can be perceived and it can be actual pain. Right. And the thing is, is pain can be acute or chronic, depending on if it just happened, if it's happening currently only for a few hours or if it's chronic and it's been going on for at least longer than three months. So in addition to that, pain can be localized, um, affecting a specific area of the body. So just your right shoulder, just your left hip, hip, just your right elbow, so forth, right? Or it can be general, for example, an overall body aches associated with the flu. You know, when you get the flu and you're just like, oh, I'm just feeling sore all over my body. With many chronic conditions, the cause of pain is actually unknown. It's so interesting. We know so much about the body and we so know so many things, but sometimes people's pains are just, I, people just go, I don't know why I have this pain. So although inconvenient and uncomfortable, which is what I spoke about earlier, pain can actually be a good thing. It lets us know when something is wrong and it gives us hints and tips about what is actually happening in our body. And some pain can help diagnose and um, manage some symptoms that you may be having or a disease and so forth, right? So some common causes of pain include headaches, cramps, stomach aches, bone fractures, arthritis, cuts, and so forth. This is just some of them, right? But many illnesses and disorders actually come with pain, such as having the flu, such as having fibromyalgia, irritable bowel syndrome, reproductive issues, all of these can cause pain. And not only do you have pain, you can come with all these other symptoms such as nausea, dizziness, fatigue, loss of appetite, uh, depression, anxiety, anger, and so forth. This can all be associated with it, right? So now that we know a little bit about pain, I wanted to go a little bit deeper. But the thing is, I'm not going to go too deep into this podcast because pain is so, so complex. I could literally do a two hour or three a whole day. I could talk about pain and what the, the pathophysiology, the risk factors and so forth. I can go into it. But I thought I'll just give you a little bit of more detail about pain so you can understand that better. So you can understand what is happening inside of your body, right? Like mentioned to you, we all know pain's unpleasant. It's sensory and emotional experience associated with actual or potential tissue damage that is highly 
prevalent health issue. Pain is a huge, absolutely huge issue in Australia. So the sensation of pain or pain signaling actually begins with the pain stimulus and it's in its sense by the peripheral noiceptors, right? Which then transmit pain signals via the primary afferent neuron to our spinal cord. These signals are further conveyed through the synapse within second order neurons, which determines the signal onward to the brain. So there's a number of things in our body involved in regards to pain. So Essentially, the three main ones are the peripheral nerves, spinal cord, and the brain, right? So the intensity of pain signals are subject to the intensity of modulation within the following following ones, which I spoke about, the peripheral nerves, the, the, the brain, and the spinal cord, right? So the peripheral nerves are actually pain cessation is associated with inflammation, which um, activates noise receptors of primary afferent neurons. This generates action potentials transmitted by the sensory neurons into the spinal cord. If inflammatory pain provoking stimulus persists, which means it just keeps going and going, it doesn't stop, the activation threshold of sensory neurons is reduced, resulting in increased transmission of pain signals. So you meet, so this is where you can deal with this much pain, but then it but then this much pain is actually painful and then this much pain you can't deal with and then it just gets it just changes your pain signals always change um so what you used to be able to put up with now you can no longer put up with or what you used to put up with you can hardly hardly put up with or you can you know it depends on what's happening inside of your body depends on the inflammation the peripheral nerves and so forth and then there comes the spinal cord Several neurotransmitters are involved in pain processing at this level, including glycine and GABA, which is inhibitory. So these are inhibitory and glutamate, which is excitatory, and I've done an episode on glutamate, or MSG in particular, neuropeptides such as substance P, which is so interesting because the pain is substance P, and caliketone, um, so CGRP and endorphins are all involved. This is in the spinal cord. In the brain, the chronic pain states activates um, pro-inflammatory cytokines that intensify pain. This in turn also may alter reuptake of glutamate, which the excitatory neurotransmitter and increasing the pain signal. So you can see what's happening there, right? So there's a number of things involved. Pain is really complex. I'm not going to go into further details about it today, but as you can see, it is extraordinarily complicated um, and it is a huge, huge factor that actually impacts numerous, numerous amounts of Australian every single day. So let's get into the fun topic of the key drivers. What actually drives the pain upwards? What is it, right? I thought I'd put a few in here. The first one is chronic inflammation. We've all heard about inflammation before. We know what inflammation does, right? So chronic inflammation and immune activation categorized by prolonged production of inflammatory mediators can cause oxidative stress resulting in a pro-inflammatory environment so now you've caused this environment inside your body either specific to let's say your right elbow or overall and this is causing a pro-inflammatory environment which then causes the elevation of pain sensitivity the more 
pro-inflammatory the environment is, the more sensitive you are to pain. This is a feature of many associated chronic pain conditions such as autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, Lyme's disease, and so, multiple sclerosis and so forth, right? So that is the number one, which is chronic inflammation. The second one is chronic stress. Yes, stress is everywhere, right? So chronic stre stress is also associated with a pro-inflammatory state marked by neuroinflammation and structural and functional changes within the central nervous system, which may influence pain sensitivity, increasing the activity of the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis leading to elevated catalytic combines such as adrenaline and decreased GABA levels. What did I talk about earlier? You need to have GABA because it helps out with pain, reduces the pain because it inhibits it, whereas the other ones make it worse, right? So chronic pain is actually associated with limited physical function, work disability, and reduced quality of life, which also can cause chronic HPA axis activation, right? Which is stress, 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 because if these individuals are unable to work, if these individuals are in hardcore uh, pain, they can't work, financial issues, and so forth, causes a lot of stress, which then that stress causes a lot of pro-inflammatory markers, which actually makes the pain worse. So it's kind of like an ongoing cycle. The third key driver I wanted to mention is diet. Having a poor diet. Chronic stress is associated. So like I said, emerging research indicates that poor nutritional intake, such as low fiber intake, calorie excess so overeating is associated with causing an oxidative stress and tissue damage throughout our body so these events act activate toll-like receptors triggering a cascade of an again pro-inflammatory central immune signals um, and then what happens is these are linked to chronic pain conditions Okay, so diet-induced neuroinflammation and chronic pain symptoms have been linked to elevated concentrations of blood glucose, low HDL cortisol, um, so cholesterol, supporting the importance of a healthy diet to manage chronic pain. And that's what I'm going to be talking about later at the podcast. The other one, which is also linked to diet in a way, is number four, is magnesium deficiency. So having an inadequate intake of magnesium is associated with mechanisms that adversely affect pain sensation, including the activation of the NMDA receptors, which increases the norcoptic signaling, which I spoke about earlier, and that signaling activates pain right and this increases it so experimental um, experimental models of induced magnesium deficiency indicated that magnesium depletion increases pain sensitivity and could reverse and could be reversed by nmda receptor antagonists supporting the pain reducing effects of magnesium so this is just showing that magnesium is a thing that could help with pain or if you have magnesium deficiency of course it's going to hinder your pain the other one I want to talk about was actually having neurotopsy or nerve compression. I know this is a little bit like, oh no. So patients that cite pain to feel like a burning hot and cold. So if you have pain that's like hot and cold burning, um, icy hot or pins and needles type of pain, stinging, sharp, shooting, these are sustained by nerve tissue. It's a common cause of peripheral nerve sensation and may present in addition to other pathophysiological causes of pain this may present with abnormal sensations without numbness 
um, or coexisting numbness, um, hyperflexia or, or weakness, usually worse distantly, so that means further away, so to your fingers, to your toes. Nerve root symptoms are also involved in the pathophysiology of pain. This commonly manifests as coexisting neck or lower back pain that radiates along the specific um, dermatomans, so most common cause of the structural compression. So what this is kind of saying is, is you might have a compression which causes pins and needles through your um, through your body, right? And it's, I don't know if you've ever had pins and needles before, but I don't know what individuals would be like having pins and needles all the time. That must be that must be extraordinary and and painful to to an extent. It would just be a crazy sensation that you would feel all the time. Another key driver for pain is cancer, and this is self-explanatory. Um, the other key driver is opioid overuse or addiction. I guess this is also self-explanatory because um, the mechanism study suggests that opioid prolonged pain arises due to activation of the spinal um, receptor protein. So essentially what this is saying, it keeps on activating the inflammation um, with opioid users. So this is not something that's good for your body, clearly, opiate overuse or addiction. The other one is mechanical stress, and we've all experienced this when we're walking down and then we hit our little pinky toe on the side of the bed. That is probably the worst pain you can ever experience in in a moment, in a moment because it is so intense, right? And that's what mechanical stress is. Um, also, that includes also, you know, um, loss of muscle support, joint destabilization, ligament damage, cartilage weaknesses, um, increased ro- um, load on, on, on one of your joints or anything like that, um, breaking a joint or bone and things like that, right? So that's what's included in there. The last one that a lot of people would be, I guess shocked by in a sense is obesity. Yes, obesity causes pain and that is because obesity contributes to pain in conditions that affect the spine, knees, hip joints throughout mechanical overload as well as poor joint muscle support. So what we need is we need our muscles around our joints to be strong because when they're strong they support our joints because when they're not strong and we just put fat instead of muscle what happens then they become weak we have pain we have injury we have falls and so forth and then unfortunately some individuals end up you know always um walking with crutches or in a in a in a, in a wheelchair or uh, something along those lines which is actually very unfortunate because there's so many things that you can do right now to strengthen those muscles and this is why i'm such a I'm, I'm so huge on resistance training i'm so huge on muscle building and it's not about you know being a bodybuilder and being huge and all these muscles popping out of it. it's not about that it's about muscles Mu- having muscles is life you need muscles to live. You need muscles to support you. You, you. Like me sitting here right now, I'm activating so many muscles throughout my body to be active, to hold me, to hold my spine the way it's supposed to be, to support me. If I didn't have these muscles and, and didn't strengthen them, I would be sitting like this. I'll be like this. I would cause so many issues within my body, right? All right. Now that we've spoken about what pain is we've spoken about the key drivers of pain let's get into the exciting part let's talk about top foods to assist with your 
pain. Let's get into it straight away. I thought the first one that I mentioned is an interesting one. I love it. I have it every single day and that is omega-3. So much information is out there in regards to omega-3, 6, 9, so forth. But I thought I'll just give you a bit of information about how omegas can help with your pain. So omega-3 fats contain two naturally occurring essential fatty acids, and you've heard about this, which is EPA and DHA. Many inflammation-based health concerns can be reduced and modulated with an increased intake of omega-3 fatty acids in the body via diet or supplements, right? So it's been proven for both. These EFA stimulates the body anti-inflammatory processes helping relieve joint pain and other inflammatory based pains in the body in the same way as as non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs do without the side effects so this is saying that you can get the effects of the pain reduction the same as popping a pill but you're not going to get those naughty side effects that you would get if you did just pop that pill right so taking omega-3 rich um, supplements can benefit and support the following six joint and muscle pain inflammatory neurological disease such as alzheimer's and dementia osteoarthritis autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis ms lupus inflammatory bowel disease and other autoimmune diseases inflammation associated with reductive health such as dysmenorrhea it protects against cardiovascular disease and renal disease due to its anti-inflammatory and anti-hypertensive effects, right? These results suggest that omega-3s are an attractive treatment for joint pain associated with rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, and dysmenorrhea. So this is absolutely amazing, showing us what omega-3 foods can do to assist us with our pain. So if you're in pain, get those omega-3 foods into you now to help you out, clearly after talking to your healthcare professional. The second one, which has had so much information on it, is curcumin, right? Turmeric. Well, curcumin is an extract found in turmeric. It has a broad anti-inflammatory effect, decreasing many inflammatory mediators, including the LOX, COX-2, LTS, uh, PGs, nitric oxide, and so forth, all of these other inflammatory pathways. As an example of Cucurbin's effect, 45 patients with rheumatoid arthritis were randomized into three equal groups to receive either 25 grams of turmeric, a special type of turmeric, BCM95, or they were getting the NSAIDs medication, 50 grams, or a combination of both. The result was that the turmeric was to be as effective or superior to the NSAID for reducing rheumatoid arthritis symptoms. This is absolutely huge because what did I say before? Popping that pill may have those adverse effects that we were talking about, right? And then it's kind of like, do I take the turmeric or the curcumin or do I take the pill? I don't know. To me, kind of seems like an easy, logical answer, but you know, this is why I'm here to inform you about this. The next one is an interesting one. It is quercetin. Quercetin, I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, but yes, that's right. You know me and my pronunciation. But quercetin is the most abundant flavonoid in the diet, right? Food 
commonly contain quercetin are onions, apples, grapes, berries, broccoli, citrus food, cherries, green tea, coffee, capers, and so forth. It is an anti-inflammatory flavonoid found to suppress the production of the inflammatory cytokines, interferon gamma, and IL2. So what I spoke about earlier is sometimes when we have pain, it causes an inflammatory state. Remember what we spoke about? Well, these, these foods containing a high flavonoidal quercetin reduces that, right? Amazing, right? So the other thing is, is also they found that they found in an eight-week study in 50 women with rheumatoid arthritis observed that participants who took 500 milligrams of quercetin experience significantly reduced early morning stiffness, morning pain, and after activity pain, right? And the other thing that's high in quercetin is blueberries, right? And then in a randomized double-blinded trial, adults aged 45 to 79, symptoms who had knee osteoarthritis were randomized to either consume 40 grams freeze-dried blueberry powder or placebo powder daily for four months. The finding of this study suggested that daily incorporation of whole blueberries may reduce pain, stiffness, and difficulty to perform daily activities while improving their performance and would therefore improve quality of life individuals who have pain. This is absolutely huge. So there you have it. I have given you three foods or three um, subsets of foods, which you can find more foods in because omega-3s, so we're talking about omega-3s, we're talking about fish, we're talking about salmon, we're talking about cod, we're talking about omega-3s that you can be found in nuts and seeds that probably won't I'm going to do a whole nother um, episode for you in regards to omega-3s because it is a little bit complex, but let's stick to now getting omega-3s from your fish and so forth. You can also get omega-3s from algae. Algae is an absolutely amazing source of omega-6, omega-3, sorry. So there you have it, getting your omega-3s in, then you're getting a cucumin from turmeric and so forth, and then getting a quercetin in from like we spoke about, onions, apples, grapes, berries, broccoli, citrus fruits, cherries, oh my God, I absolutely love cherries, green tea, coffee, capers. So there you have it. In today's episode, we spoke about what is pain. We spoke about the key drivers of pain. And then I gave you so many foods, not just three. I mentioned so many different types of foods that can help you with your pain. If this episode doesn't blow your mind, then I don't know what will. Because this just is absolutely amazing that we can help our pain through food, through diet. That's right. If you like this episode, please share it with someone that you love that needs to know about this. Um, Do what you do best. Love, like, share, rate, review the Natural Health Podcast. Until next Monday, love you.